We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Impressive. Most impressive. See things you people wouldn't believe. Let's go see him again. Something on your mind? I want to let you know you're sitting in my chair. <laughs> Is that a fact? Yeah, that's a fact. Well, for a man that don't go healed, you run your mouth kind of reckless, don't you? No need to go healed to get the bulge on a tub like you. Is that a fact? Mm. That's a fact. Well, I'm real scared. Damn right you're scared. I can see that in your eyes. All right, man, go ahead. Go ahead, skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Listen, mister, I'm getting awful tired of your... I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work. I said throw down, boy. something or just stand there and bleed a very different kind of Wyatt Earp he doesn't use a weapon he just slaps around a um strange strangely portly Billy Bob Thornton I don't think most people realize who's actually the crooked car dealer an iconic scene from a movie I didn't pick we're gonna try and make it great it's making movies great again the choice is Tombstone from our co-host, the one, the only, Mr. Reagan, a.k.a. Ke- what, what was I was going to say there, a.k.a. Chris Coles. Chris, um, I'm not into westerns. Tell me why you chose this movie. I'll be honest. I actually chose this movie because it's my friend Kurt's favorite all-time film. And I've seen it multiple times. It comes on TV all the time. But I don't think I've ever seen it from beginning to end, the original picture, not edited for TV. And I've got to say, at least for me, I'm very, very happy I chose this. And I and I sat through it. And I watched it to the end, just, you know, doing nothing else, just watching the film. Because I actually think this may be at least near the very top of one of my favorite films that we've ever done. 
and I think probably should be considered one of the greatest films of all time. This was really fun for me. I absolutely love this movie. So this is deemed, you know, the conventional wisdom, and it's got a great, you know, rating amongst the the, the, the viewers and, and the critics as well as, as the film that kind of not reinvented the Western, but became a kind of benchmark for the modern Western. It came mm. in 1993. It was a successful movie. And, and it tweaked the, the, the established spaghetti Western kind of Clint Eastwood or the prior uh, John Wayne um, type of cowboy movie with an incredible mm. ensemble cast. And also visually, one of the early comments I, I read about it as I was prepping for today's show was just the way the Earp brothers dress is actually more accurate to the period. They didn't all walk around in leather chaps and, you know, massive 10-gallon hats. Very much Puritan, very simple clothing, but very elegant clothing. So even stylistically, this put a new spin on it. But I'm going to have to say it right up front here, Chris, and we're going to walk through it because I enjoyed it because of the performances. I mean, the performances here are some of the best performances the ensemble cast members have given, in my opinion. But I don't know. I might get stripped of my American citizenship, but as a genre, <laughs> Western just doesn't do it for me. I don't know why. Are you into Westerns, generally? Are you into Westerns? No, I'm actually not really so much into Westerns. I mean, look, look, the reason that some of the Westerns that have been considered classics over the years are classics, I think, is because they are just top-tier films. Yes. Uh, You know, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. You know, some of these great films, a lot of what Clint Eastwood did elevated the genre in in this way or that way some people didn't like it because it wasn't so much like the old john wayne westerns i do think there's some really great john wayne westerns uh my grandfathers were actually split on this i had one grandfather who who loved john wayne and another grandfather who preferred the quick draw artists and he didn't like john wayne because he's too slow (laughs) (laughs) but you know so so, yeah yeah it's true it's a true story but uh but yeah different people appreciate different kinds of westerns but at the end of the day the great ones the ones that are remembered tend to be remembered just because they are so good and i feel like this movie is one of those films you know it's such a quotable movie there are so many moments like the clip we just saw he goes you're gonna do something you're just gonna stand there and bleed i mean who writes stuff like that? such a brilliant line And you really feel like you're there. I felt like, you know, it's kind of weird. I used to think of history as as stylized as the movies tend to make it. But as I grow older, I realize that throughout the generations, I think I'm not sure how much people change. Sure, there are eras in which people are try to be better human beings and there are eras where people try to be more progressive and interesting, uh, you know, and they're you know, and they're less interested in being good people. But for the most part, human beings are human beings. And this movie, despite the fact that there's a little bit of 90s-ness in there, like maybe the way some of the actors talk and stuff like that, I do think that they really humanize these characters. Because these are characters from history, real-life characters. Is this exactly how things played out in that historical drama back then in those days? No, you know, the, these, you know, these are actors playing the parts of these historic figures. These historic figures, we don't really know exactly what they were like. So this is some kind of an interpretation, right? 
but they've interpreted interpreted it in such a way that I really feel like these are real humans and and you know the stuff that they're going through you can empathize with it's kind of weird choices as well like you know not everything in this film makes these characters seem like perfect human beings you know they're they're flawed and they're struggling and you know you really feel like when his brother dies or or you know at the end when doc holiday dies you really feel sad for these characters you know they did such a good job with the acting i think everything came together with this picture i think it's a great film i will say that you know you're right in terms of it's not a 3 hour movie and it has a huge cast therefore you don't have a lot of time for exposition and character development of everybody in it but nevertheless because you know they are at the top of their game everybody here is at the top of their game you really do connect with these people and even as you said with some unusual casting i mean i am a massive powers booth fan i think powers booth is one of the biggest underrated you know uh, character actors of the last 50 years and to make him you know the deputy or the or the ringleader really i thought he was the ringleader and then he dies in the river and i think oh my gosh who's the bad guy now what it's michael bean who's the hero from terminator and aliens are you kidding me so these kind of reversal yeah. castings of Powers Booth, the hero from Red Dawn, Michael Bean, the hero from numerous Cameron, James Cameron movies. And dude, I, I, don't, I don't question for a second that Powers Booth, yeah. that Ringo, Michael Bean are evil SOBs. And then, you yeah. know, I don't know about yeah. you, but I, I look at um, Val Kimner, Kilmer, and I think he's sick. Yeah. I mean, for two hours, I think this dude yeah. is literally coughing up a lung because he sells it so well. All right. I may not be into Westerns, but I can appreciate a good performance, as can our friend, our co-host of Making Movies Great Again. We are celebrating 1993's uh, Tombstone. So much more to discuss. If you enjoy what we do here every Friday, make sure you never miss an episode or check out the prior ones. You can subscribe to the audio podcast on whichever platform you prefer. Just plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Do leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends. And then if <clears throat> you'd like some normality back in America, if you'd want to be safe again and for our economy to be like it was under President Trump, let's get him back in the White House. It's up to us. Show the world whose team you're on. The latest product on our America First stories. Donald Trump did nothing wrong. Hopefully the Supreme Court agrees. Or you can get the 2024 Retribution t-shirt or the flag that says, I stand with 45 Trump 2024. All that and so much more, including all of my books at sevgorkastore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store.com. And you can support the president directly at donaldjtrump.com. That's donaldjtrump.com. Did you know that 84% of New Year's resolutions fail in the first six weeks? That's got me thinking about PhD weight loss and nutrition and why it was a success for me. Why I haven't gained one pound of my 42-pound weight loss back. Why Jeff, my producer, decided to start the program. Most people blame their failure on a lack of time, motivation, and a loss of zeal. PhD makes it simple. It doesn't take a lot of extra time. They are masters of motivation. You have a team of coaches by your side the whole time, and you don't lose your zeal because every 
every week you make great strides, so you stay excited. Do something different this year and call PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition, 864-644-1900 to get started. Or online at myphdweightloss.com. Don't do this alone. The number, 864-644-1900, myphdweightloss.com. Hey, Johnny. What that mess can mean a sick horse is going to get, huh? It's quoting the Bible. Revelations. Behold, a pale horse. The man who sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. Now, one of the reasons I started on the wrong foot here with this movie, Chris, was the opening scene. Because the opening scene, as far as I'm concerned, is like a beat-for-beat theft from the the, uh, Magnificent Seven, right? I mean, it is the poor (laughs) Mexican village uh, is ransacked and all the innocent people at the festival, at the wedding, are murdered by the bandits, who, in this case, aren't Pancho Villa or some Mexican bandit, but it's actually, you know, the the, the cowboys with their red sashes. Do do, do you think there's a little bit of um, too much borrowing going on in the first scene of the movie? I actually think it's worse than that. I think that there, I think that the writer, I think that the writer of this script did an excellent job. I will say that. However, structurally, there are some things that I, I don't believe that he just invented this, the structure of this film. I think that he read books on how to write films, and then he kind of like wrote those beats into the film, right? So like, there's a scene when um, this guy's. Uh, smacking around Wyatt Earp's horse. <laughs> yeah. And Wyatt Earp comes over and he slaps the guy around. And he goes, doesn't feel very good, does it? And there's a book, uh, a, write, a screenwriting book called Save the Cat. I've never read this book before. But, the, but my buddy told me about it. I mean, everybody talks about it, but my buddy had read it. And he said that uh, the concept for the name of the book, Save the Cat, comes from the idea that if you have a hero come in early in this script uh, and you want to identify them as a hero... Have them save the life of a cat or have them do, you know, like save a baby. You're giving away all the Hollywood secrets. I know. I know. So he goes and he saves this animal, right, which which obviously identifies Wyatt as the hero. These guys are, you know, going into this village, uh, killing these innocent people. Okay, identifies them as the cruel villains. And Bean in particular is a he's a particularly cruel guy. He kills the priest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And actually, Bean, Bean's performance is so good. He actually gives one of the most chilling moments I've, I've ever seen in film. I'm just sitting here watching the film, having a good time. And I hear this line. They're watching a play and they're watching a play about, you know, the Faustian bargain, selling yeah. your soul to the devil. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, his partner in crime there, he turns to him and he says, uh, you know, he t- says, oh, this is what I would do if I made a deal with the devil. He goes, what would you do? And without like. There's no sarcasm. It's not a joke. The guy's just sort of staring into space, and he goes, "I've already done it," and like it's it's so it's so real. Yeah. I don't know how Bean did that, but I I felt like that character really had done it, and he 
he knew that he had sold his soul to the devil and he was going to hell and he knew it right and that was a cold moment in that in that film as as a result and I, you know we're allowed to do this because we're the adults and this is our show i'm going to jump right to the end um don't yeah. you find the climax anticlimactic because i love the idea that Doc Holliday lies. He pretends that he's dying of consumption in the hospital bed so that he can't back up his body wired up for this showdown <laughs> with Ringo. And then what does he do? He outflanks him. He gets there before Wyatt does. He does. He knows he's yeah. faster than Wyatt. And he saves his body by killing Ringo. But it's like that whole that last moment. And we love the setup. Best friend lies to save his best buddy because he's a better gunman but then that yeah. that that showdown it lasts for about 40 seconds and you just yeah. have doc pull his gun and blast bean through the skull and it's like oh in the yeah. film i guess wasn't it a little anticlimactic and it does strip wyatt earp of his moment yes. uh, his moment to to challenge the villain but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'll walk around the space a little bit so that I can <laughs> properly explain this. He's got to get all thespian on us now. Uh, well, but, you know, really, this is because this to me is not a film about Wyatt Earp. And in fact, uh, the actor whose name Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell, who was sort of co-directing, if not fully directing this film, right. went in uh, to po the post-production and he stripped out a lot of his own scenes Yeah, because it wasn't really a film so much about Wyatt Earp. It was a film about friends, yes. about, about brothers, really, yes. about brothers. And so I think it's okay. It's okay to give that particular moment to Doc Holliday because – it was about the love of these of these uh, men that you know they were they really had this brotherly love even though Doc Holliday wasn't his actual brother and all these other guys were right. Um, Doc Holliday and him did have this relationship where they had each other's back. You know they they were there for each other. And there's a great moment where somebody says, uh, "Why do you do this? You know you're dying. You should be sick. You know you're you're sick. You should be in bed." And he goes, "Well, why Earp's my friend?" And right. he says, "Well, I got lots of friends." And he goes, well, I don't. And it was such a it's such a beautiful moment because you're like, OK, this guy is. And, you know, men, we, we really do. Um, there, there's this virtue, this value that I think is often lost in the modern age, which is loyalty and your duty to your friends and your fellow. And this is something that Donald Trump really um, cherishes loyalty. Right. And if you betray Trump, he goes crazy. Right. This is everybody talks about this in the press. Everybody talks about this in, in uh, the media. He's like, if you betray Trump, he will turn on you. Yeah. But if you're loyal to him, he loves you. Right. And I think this is a really old fashioned value that we've really lost. And, you know, when you're a kid and you have very close friends, I had some very close friends as a boy. Uh, yeah. You you kill for those friends. You die for those friends. You defend them with your life. And, you know, we, I think we miss that in the modern yeah. culture and we miss that in the modern media as well. This is a film where they tried to be I think they tried to be as accurate as they could to history. Um, and they, they also tried to show at the same time that relationship that you just don't see all the time anymore these days. And, and I really love that aspect of the movie. Uh, I'll tell you, that's that's the thing that really resonated with me. You're right. It deprives him of his hero moment when Doc Holliday creeps to that 
you know, riverbed and kills Ringo instead of Wyatt Earp. But you know why it touched me? Because between male friends, one of the most powerful bonds you have is when you do something important for the other one, when they don't ask you to do it for them and when they don't want you to do it for them. When you just say, I'm sorry, I'm his best buddy. I am going to do it for my, for my buddy because he's my buddy. And that's what that moment is about. And I think you're absolutely right. In the modern age, utterly, completely lost. All right, it's not too bad a movie. It's Tombstone, and we're <laughs> talking about it with our buddy. He's the host of the Superlative Channels on YouTube right now. Uh, subscribe to Mr. Reagan Today and the Alpha Critic, and follow him on Twitter on Mr. Reagan USA. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First, making movies great again. Too much fun. I can't believe we get to do this every week. If you love this as much as we love providing it to you, make sure you give me a follow. We are on all the social media platforms that matter. Just put Seb Gorka or Sebastian Gorka on Truth Social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Get It, Telegram, or you can watch us. I mean, this is a movie review on your Roku, your Fire Stick, your Samsung Plus device, or just download the Salem News Channel app. And for my latest, who's going to be in the Trump cabinet? Well, I've got my guesses, and I think they're pretty solid. Go to my Substack, SebastianGorka.substack.com. That's my whole name is one word, SebastianGorka.substack.com. Did you know that 84% of New Year's resolutions fail in the first six weeks? That's got me thinking about PhD weight loss and nutrition and why it was a success for me. Why I haven't gained one pound of my 42-pound weight loss back. Why Jeff, my producer, decided to start the program. Most people blame their failure on a lack of time, motivation, and a loss of zeal. PhD makes it simple. It doesn't take a lot of extra time. They are masters of motivation. You have a team of coaches by your side the whole time, and you don't lose your zeal because every week you make great strides, so you stay excited. Do something different this year and call PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition, 864-644-1900 to get started or online at myphdweightloss.com. Don't do this alone. The number, 864-644-1900, myphdweightloss.com. If you enjoy uh, this show, if you love it, but three hours of radio every single day is not enough for you, then why don't you join us for the trip of a lifetime, especially if you're one of our viewers or listeners who missed our trip to the Holy Land. Well, guess what? We're going a little bit closer to home for this July 4th. It is the Patriots Alaska Cruise, June 29th to July 6th. Just you, me, Katie, Jennifer Horn, Mike Gallagher. Oh, my gosh. Our buddy Chris DeGaulle, the big Salem names on a beautiful ship in the most beautiful state of the Union, plotting how to take back the Republic from those who are trying to destroy it. Hang out with the best Patriots and just have an amazing July 4th. Check out the amazing itinerary. Now that we've got Mike on, everybody's booking like crazy. 200 cabins sold out. Don't miss Deposit Today. Go to SebGorka.com. Choose your cabin. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorka.com, and the Patriots Alaska Cruise banner. Okay, um, let's go from the sappiest part of the movie to one of my favorite parts. Let's go to the chick flick bit of it. Uh, Wired up, like in love or something. Let's go. What do you want out of life? (laughs) 
you get these questions? Just answer. Well, I don't know. Make some money, I guess. Maybe have some children. I... Doesn't suit you. Well, how would you know? It just doesn't, that's all. Well, I ought to know my own mind, and I'm telling you what suits me is a family and kids. Suits me right down to the ground. In fact, that's my idea, Heaven. All right, what's your idea, Heaven? Room service. <laughs> oh, he's laughing again. Yeah, sadly, in real life, that actress um, never got married, never had kids, got the Margaret Sanger Award and is a massive uh, pro-abortionist activist. So I guess a bit of typecasting there. Uh, Let's leave us on the screen and add one of my favorite parts. Uh, Let's talk about, yeah, you're not arresting us today, Sheriff. All of you are under arrest. I don't think I'll let you arrest us today, Behan. <laughs> yeah, sorry, not happening. When a man's a man and... Um... If you're not, you're not. Uh, massively important aspect for this movie. I want it to be known, all of our millions of listeners and viewers, Sheriff Behan is the only person in this movie who had a fake mustache. Every other yeah. mustache, including Kurt Russell's masterpiece of manliness that even outshines Magnum <laughs> P.I.'s Tash, uh, they're all real mustaches. That's pretty impressive. That, that is dedication to the art, is it not, Chris? I feel like I should grow one. What do you think? <laughs> handlebar mustache? A big, big, big one. Big handlebar one. What do you think? What yeah, do you think? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, they're beautiful mustaches. I mean, you know, I heard <laughs> there's a rumor that all these guys were running around on set. They were just like admiring their mustache. They just loved them. They were just like, you know, throw I've never grown a mustache before in my life. This is about as long as it gets, and then I shave it off. But uh, maybe this I image, maybe this I image, by the way, of the four like brothers walking in front of the burning house, I think that's so iconic. Yeah, and, and there's no real reason for the burning house. They don't explain it. It's a house suddenly burning in the middle of Tombstone, and they're just like, huh, all right. And then, yeah, that kind of, I think they've put that on like the DVD and stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely like uh, an iconic image, beautiful image. Now, the, I mean, look, the, there is something. We talk about this a lot in the conservative circles these days, the sort of uh, getting back to manliness. you got all these alpha male guys that are t- trying to explain. like Somebody should you know, do a manhood hour man. on a national radio show every week. What do you think, Eric? Should somebody do that? <laughs> I think that sounds revolutionary. <laughs> but, you know, you know, manliness isn't always the, you know, the, the cliche stuff, you know. You don't have to have a room absolutely just packed full of guns. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it helps. But it helps. I mean, when you want real credentials, if you're, not, if you're not smoking a really big cigar in a room packed with guns, how manly can you be, Chris? I mean, it's a question. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's a little inside okay, baseball a little bit uh these are some inside jokes yeah yeah all right no but look <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually thinking about doing a sketch okay this is completely off topic now we're going into crazy land here, but just real quick i'm thinking about doing a sketch where this guy has to explain to his wife that uh you know uh you know he, he like the marriage has been on the rocks for a while now and she doesn't know why and he doesn't know why oh he does know why but he's not talked to her um, and he's talking to his buddy, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to have to tell her that 
this year I'm voting for Trump. And so they have to figure out like him and his buddy got to figure out how to like let his wife in on this. And he's like, oh, you know, I should, I, you know, his buddy goes, I've got an idea. Make yourself actually more conservative, more masculine. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, because secretly these feminist lefty girls, they actually all really want a conservative guy. So if you take out, if you stop being the beta male that you've been for years and you become this badass conservative, she's not going to care that you're voting for Trump. So this is their plan, right? And I won't tell you the ending because there's a twist and it's beautiful. But yeah, he's got to like eat steak now and he's got to like buy a pickup truck and all this kind of stuff. And like, look, there are all the cliche things about being a, a man that, you know, but there's also like, you know, just being a gentleman, being a moral person, doing the right thing, having this loyalty to your friends, this kind of stuff. And I actually feel like this movie really epitomizes what it, at least what it used to be to be masculine. Because yeah. it, it is not always the cliche stuff. Some of it's just like being a good person. And I feel like they really explore that in this movie. Because, you know, they're a little bit scoundrelly, especially like Doc Holly's a bit of a scoundrel. But you do get the sense that they're trying to do the right thing, at least when it counts. And I think that, you know, it epitomizes it. Every man should watch it. If they want to be a man, watch Tombstone. Yeah, the, it's an important point that the, these aren't... What, what are they called in the industry? How they've destroyed the the leading roles and everyone is a female hero. It's a Mary Sue, right? A Mary Sue? Mary Sue, right. right. Yeah, yeah. None, of, none of these men... None of these men are perfect. No. I mean, even Wyatt Earp, who exactly. says, I'm not a lawman. I don't do that anymore. Even the way he just muscles his way into the saloon, takes over the card table, is like, right. eh, yeah, it's a little little slimy. They're not perfect individuals, but where it matters, they are good men. You are listening. You are watching Making Movies Great Again with me, Sebastian Gorka, and our good buddy, Chris Coles. He understands a thing. He might be a little intimidated by walking into an armory, smoking a large cigar, but we'll work on that. We'll, we'll, we'll get him up to speed. We will get his MAGA man credentials. We will issue him a membership card uh, imminently if he makes it to CPAC. If he doesn't make it to CPAC, I don't know. It, it might be in jeopardy. Uh, we are coming to you from ReliefActor.com studios. The latest product. I am so so excited to announce is Relief Factor Sleep. You could be the right weight, you can exercise, but if you don't get your sleep, you're not going to last. For your health mentally and physically, you've got to get a good night's sleep. You know me, I'm a night owl, so when I finally go to sleep in the wee hours, it's got to be that restorative, that regenerative sleep. How do I do that? With the amazing Relief Factor Sleep. It's natural. Its ingredients help you get that deep sleep that not only helps you to feel amazing after you've slept, but unlike the other products, doesn't leave you drowsy. My wife used to get up before the cock crows. She used to be up at like 4 a.m., 4.30. She takes two little Relief Factor capsules, and she wakes up at 7.30, and she feels fresh as a daisy. Get yours today. You know the number, 1-800-4-RELIEF, or go to relieffactor.com slash sleep. You owe it to yourself. Get a good night's sleep. one 800 Four seven three five four three three relieffactor dot com slash sleep. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all new Pragertopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to twenty ten. 
And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Turn them loose. He said to turn loose of him. I'm not. So go home. I swear to God. Law dog. You don't step aside, we'll tear you apart. You die first, get it? Your friends might get me in a rush, but not before I make your head into a canoe. You understand me? He's bluffing. Let's rush him. No. He ain't bluffing. Music lover. You're next. <laughs> drunk piano player. You're so drunk, you can't hit nothing. In fact... You're probably seeing double. I have two guns, one for each of you. I have two guns, one for each of you. Eric, who are the two bad guys there? I mean, this cast is just full of Easter egg casting. Who are the bad guys? I love this. So the first guy, Ike Clanton, the one that uh, Kurt Russell puts the gun to his forehead, that is Stephen Lang, who is most well-known to modern audiences now as the main villain in James Cameron's Avatar movies. And then the other guy, the music lover that uh, Val Kilmer holds up, is none other than Thomas Hayden Church, who I most well know, and I think most other know him as, he was in the third Spider-Man movie as Sandman. Right, right. Amazing cast. All right, let, let, let's go through a little of these, Chris, because we we got to doff our cap. So, of course, Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, suburb performances. Powers Booth as Curly Bill playing a bad guy, and he does it so creepily so well. Ringo, Michael Bean, usually always a hero. Bill Paxton, the late, great Bill Paxton. Sam Elliott playing... Sam Elliott, who he always plays with that amazing <laughs> mustache. Uh, we've got Billy Zane. Billy Zane is the the, the thespian, the, the you know slightly fey actor who, of course, gets killed. Billy Bob Thornton as the dodgy card sharp or the dealer, Joanne Pacula, who, of course, from one of my favorite movies, we're going to have to review that at one point, Gorky Park. She's one of the, the victims of uh, the Gorky Park uh, movie. And then who have we got to mention? Oh, my gosh, the narrator. How on earth did they get Robert Mitchum to be the narrator? That is quite the cast, is it not? Well, because I think I think he was supposed to play... Like the main villain or something? I can't remember. Or maybe Virgil Earp? I can't Bill, he was supposed to play a major character in the film. And he was deemed to be too and then old. Some, right, right. Or something happened. I don't remember exactly. He couldn't do it. So they, they instead just made him the narrator. But, yeah, he does a fantastic job, doesn't he? Well, they all do. So they good. all do. And, and the nice thing is, I don't know, you know if you agree, but when when you have casting... Not deliberately, but with a couple of these actors, goes against type, and it works. It's yeah. like it's all the more powerful. 
Oh, yeah, you're talking about the villains, I think. Yeah, like Powell's right? Booth, like yeah, Michael Bean. Yeah. Yeah, you don't expect Bean to be a, vi a villain, and he is so terrifying. And I talked about that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, some of these characters are to type. I mean, you expect, you know, Virgil Earp, you expect him to be the heroic, you know, strong man that he is, uh, Sam Elliott, you know, with that booming voice. And, uh, you know, yeah, like, uh, for sure, for sure, Doc, the Doc Holliday character, I don't know. I'm sure other actors could have played that well. But the way Val Kilmer played that character is legendary. I mean, I actually think that people remember that character in this film better than anything else in the movie. And it doesn't hurt that he's got some of the best lines in the movie. Well, it doesn't hurt that Huckleberry is now a global it. meme. Right? It's a go I mean, that's right. But, I mean, that is a testament to Val Kilmer's performance. It might not have been if it was a different actor that didn't do quite as good of yeah. a job. I don't know how he became this character, but you, like you said earlier, you believe that he's sick throughout the film. Right. Uh, and yet you also believe that he can whip those guns out faster than anybody else there and that every that all the villains in the movie are terrified of him you know at the end being when he figures out that oh, oh. it's not Wyatt Earp that's come to see me it's Doc Holliday that, I'm you sorry. see the fear in his eye that moment of acting being mm -hmm. oh my gosh he's like oh I yeah. I was just having fun that was just a game and then what what is you know Doc's response I wasn't playing a game. And the guy's like, uh-oh. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, you yeah. were born in America, in Oregon. What, what does it mean yeah. to be somebody's huckleberry? I, I didn't learn that in the naturalization <laughs> thing. What, what, what does it mean to be somebody's huckleberry? Well, I'll tell you something interesting. Uh, I believe Virgil Earp is buried in Oregon. And Sam Elliott is also from Oregon. Wow. So Sam Elliott, it's, yeah, actually, like, that voice, that accent is kind of, I'm used to it. Like, that's that's from, like, where I'm from, kind of. He's not so Southern. It's not so much, uh, it's it's from Oregon, his voice. But um, I we never use that term. <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Bizarre. It's The only thing people know it from is this movie, I think. Yeah. It's, right. It's, I think it was a real term, but. Yeah, I, no, I, have I, to, we, I have to, you know, I as the, the gun geek here, I have to say, I am so um, delighted, especially when you see the big, you know, widescreen um, moments of Val Kilmer pulling out his long buntline Colt. They actually show these guns recoiling. I mean, it's fake, right? Because there's no bullet to create the recoil. But every time they fire, unlike most movies, you know, including, you know, the, the, the uh, John Wick movies, the guns actually, they simulate the recoil of the weapon, which means... The, these are actors who took it seriously. And, by the way, for those who aren't familiar with what, what Chris said in an earlier part of this show, uh, it has been confirmed by none other than Val Kilmer that Kurt Russell really was the director for this movie. Uh, just as, you know, S uh, Steven Spielberg was the real director for Poltergeist, the first director was fired. He's actually the scriptwriter, Kevin Jarre, who is the, uh, the son of Maurice Jarre, the composer. He just couldn't bring it in on time. The rushes were late. So they brought in another director who was just, you know, the, the named director, 
George Cosmados, whose record included First Blood and Rambo 2, but he was just the name for the billboards. And the guy who really directed it was Kurt Russell. If that's the case, Chris, that's pretty impressive. No, it's amazing. And and a lot of people give Kurt Russell, like from the set, they give Kurt, Kurt Russell credit and talk about like this basically was his baby. This his, this was his movie. Um, talking about the guns real quick, I they did, they took care to take um, beautiful shots of the guns. You, yeah. I mean, you really see these guns in this movie. And also the way Doc Holliday shoots has such a unique flair and character to it. You know, and he's supposed to be the fastest gun. But he, it's almost like an ele- elegant uh, sloppiness or something like that because he is a bit drunk all the time. <laughs> he makes, he makes he it look like, easy. He's, he's fast, but it's kind of casual. It's kind of casual. It's, it's, he's like whipping the guns around, and somehow you kind of buy it. Yeah. Even though he's not aiming properly or anything. It's just like shooting from the hip. But you buy it. It really works. It's a stylized kind of way of shooting. Um, the rest of the guys all kind of shoot the, you know, the way you would expect, right. you know, a, a marksman to shoot a gun. He doesn't, but it, it works. It, it adds some character to him, and and that's like a lot of this film is like that, where this character has this quirk or this interesting thing about them, or really makes the character their own. Everybody was trying really hard in this yes. film, but they weren't. But they they did such a good job, it doesn't look like they're trying hard. And I, I think it's just magnificent. Right. Small details, but it doesn't make it look like artifice. It looks like it's actually part of the character. We're making movies great again. We're celebrating Tombstone 1993 from George Cosmatos, or is it Kurt Russell? Uh, make sure that you are following us on social media and subscribe to his channel as well on YouTube. They are Mr. Reagan and The Alpha Critic. I'm coming to you from the ReliefFactor.com studios. Relief Factor, it's real. It works. It's liberating over a million Americans right now from their daily pain. I'm one of them. I had a low back pain issue that plagued me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor. Two weeks later, I was pain-free. And I'm so excited I get to say this. As of January 1st, I am five years pain-free. That should be you. I think it should be now. Find out. Order the three-year quick starter pack at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee. By the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you. Like it works for me and over a million of your fellow Americans. You've waited long enough. Find out today. Call 1-800-THE-NUMBER-4-RELIEF or go to relieffactor.com. That's one 800-473-5433-RallyFactor.com. I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started the game we never got to finish. <clears throat> Play for blood, remember? I was just fooling about. I wasn't. And so endeth the lesson with a very quick shot to the cranium from Doc Holliday. All right, um, last thoughts, ratings. Uh, clearly, you think this is a, one of your... Top movies, right? You know, it wasn't before I watched it this time. There's something about just sitting in the dark and watching a film 
where, you know, the pacing of this movie is a little slower than a movie that you'd watch today. Yeah. You know, and what's interesting about that is I think that TV was always pretty fast paced. Like you watch an episode of the A-Team back in the 80s or you watch an episode of MacGyver, Quantum Leap, these movies from the 80s, and they were always pretty quick paced. You watch a, a movie in the cinema and there are these kind of long drawn out scenes, uh, like in this movie early on, you've got the the Earp family, right, kind of you know going to Tombstone. You, you, you see them going to Tombstone. It takes time to, to watch this. They don't tend to put those kind of longer drawn out scenes in movies anymore but it does give the film some weight it gives it gravity that that films today don't have and i think it's because there's this expectation in hollywood that people have lost the attention span to be able to pay attention to that sort of thing uh, i don't think that's true i think if it's a movie you should give it the gravity that it deserves give it the, the time that it needs uh, for people to really get invested and appreciate what they're watching, you know, use a little cinematography here and there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I, I, again, it's like the, the name of this show, Make Movies Great Again. They just don't make movies like they used to. And I think that this is really, truly a great film. Um, how are we going to rate it? What What are the uh, units of measurement? All right, before we get to that, I want to just play one more cut. It's my one of my favorite scenes from oh, the okay. movie. It's um, They're Leaving after their brother has been killed. Or are they? Take a good look at him, Mike. Because that's how you're going to end up. The cowboys are finished, you understand me? I see a red sash. I kill a man wearing it. So run, you curse. Uh, run! Tell all the other curse the line's coming. You tell them I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! The Cowboys are finished. I'm coming, and hell's coming with me. Yeah, you believe, Kurt Russell. All right, uh, units of measure. Well, it can't be red sashes, so what should it be? What unit of measure? Mustaches! It's got to be mustaches out of ten. All right. So, Edelbar Mustache. You're doing uh, for a modern audience. I'm doing it for the canon of great movies. What rating do we give it? Let, let me just say quickly that scene was the moment when the film shifted from a movie about brotherhood, which the movie continued to be about until the end, to be fair, but it shifted a little bit to a movie about what is it? A reckoning, as Doc Holliday puts it. That that that's when the movie shifted, and it became pretty cool uh, after that. I feel like people love that part of the movie from that point on. Uh, but it continues to be about brotherhood, and I think it's a great film. Uh, I actually think that for the right audience, people will love this. It's it's one of those films that I just think will live in infamy, it'll last forever. You can watch it a hundred years from now; and it'll still be amazing, just because it was so well made. Oh, it's hard for me to give it anything other. I, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. That's what I'm going to do. 10 out of 10. Sorry. 10 mustaches out of 10 mustaches. All right. I'm going to be nice to you, Chris, because I'm an American now okay. and I have to like Westerns. I'm going to give Tombstone because of the performances. Eric, do I give it seven and a half or do I give it eight? Would oh, I... you got to give it at least an eight. All right. I'll give it eight handlebars. Eight. Kurt Russell, thick, bushy, magnum PI, <laughs> mustaches out of 10 uh, for the canon. All right. Um, 
successful movie I forgot to mention 25 million to make it's like peanuts uh, grossed 33 uh, grossed 73 uh, million uh, in 1993 All right what is left to do is pick a next movie and it's my choice we can go heavy or we can go fun should we go heavy I think um, I think I'm going to go heavy here one of my okay. favorite movies ever Although there's one scene I can't even watch to today. It's so horrific. But, man, it's a good movie. Are you ready for the Chicago way, Chris? Are you ready? Let's do The Untouchables next week. The Untouchables. Kevin it's Costner. on my list. It's actually on my list. Well, now you can cross it off. All right. Uh, I think you can predict in advance what score I'll give it. But we're going to make it great together. In the meantime, make sure you're following Chris on YouTube, the Mr. Reagan and Alpha Critic channels, on Twitter at Mr. Reagan USA. I'm Sebastian Gorka. You've been listening to America First, making movies great again. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your sex. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in and stay frosty.